Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, your host of the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we go on a journey together tackling the fears of life, from family relationships, to finance, to careers, to community. And I am thrilled to have Cindy Powell here today. Not only is she hilarious and just a delight to be around, but she is a powerhouse woman. Cindy is the head women's director at Bridal Up Hope, and she grew up in Oregon, but moved with her husband and amazing three boys to Japan for many years and later to China. So her life experience is just so not only depth, but breadth and her insights are wonderful. Her love of life is infectious and you're going to hear that throughout our conversation. What flavor of ice cream describes your personality? Oh my goodness. It would have to be chocolate brownie chunk. (laughs) and why is that your personality because i love everything chocolate and i'm kind of a chunky strong girl (laughs) i'm not one of those little wimpy girls like i'm chunky i'm strong so it's like chocolate brownie chunk and i love brownies too so there you go that is probably my favorite (laughs) answer all day long you guys I am thrilled to have with us Cindy Powell. She is just, you already know, she is a joy to be around. She, Whenever I'm around Cindy, I just feel inspired and enlightened. I'm so excited for her just to share her experiences. So Cindy, I just want you kind of to walk us through a little bit of a an arc of your life. So right now she's at Bridal Up Hope and she's an equestrian trainer and she teaches um, life skills to these girls. But kind of just give us through a little arc of how did you even end up there? Yeah, so um, we moved from, we lived in Japan for quite a while, uh, raised our family over there, 11 years we were there. And when we moved back, it was kind of when our boys started going to college. And so we moved into a little tiny town, Alpine, Utah. Um, and I, I love the area. It's beautiful, mountainous, glorious. Um, and we got to know people in our neighborhood and within our faith community. And um, one of the families that we met and became really good friends with were the Covey family. And Stephen R. Covey's son, Sean Covey, and his wife, Rebecca, and their beautiful family, we watched their children grow up. We're still watching them grow up. Um, and one of their beautiful daughters is the same age as our youngest son. And tragically, her life ended um, from the effects of anxiety and depression in 2012. And so the family was very... Um, focused on what they could do to honor her life and the legacy that they wanted her to hold. She lived a beautiful life, so energetic, so fun. She was funnier than I am, if that can be possible. (laughs) I don't even know if that's possible because you are hilarious. You make me laugh all the time. (laughs) Rachel was just so funny. She would come to my house uh, with a bunch of other girls and we'd do fun things. And then Everybody would leave and there was always a pair of shoes left in my entryway and I knew they were Rachel. She would come because her mom oh, probably no. made her wear shoes out, but then she would run home barefoot. And so I know it was a standing joke. I'd always take her shoes back to her. Just a lovely, beautiful, light soul and wonderful, wonderful gal. Um, and so to honor her life, they knew how much she loved horses. They also knew uh, from many friends and parents um of those friends that said, your daughter really changed our daughter's life. And they said, tell me more. We need to know more about that. And they said they would that Rachel would take them horseback riding and they would come back so relaxed, so peaceful. Their anxiety was gone. It would last a while. It was like a, a special little treatment that 
really helped to change their their thought process for a while. So they knew that there was something they needed to combine um, with, of course, the seven habits from Stephen R. Covey, grandpa, um, who passed away shortly before Rachel did. Um, they knew that they needed to combine those. Uh, and the habits are beautiful. They're principle-based. They're universal. They're for you, me, rich, young, old, poor, white, black. It doesn't matter. It's for everyone. It, it will translate to any language. It's just the, the principled habits are powerful. They're not rocket science, but they are powerful. If you'll adapt them into your life and just live according to those guidelines that they enhance whatever you already are doing, um, and they will give you some insight into ways to do things better and different and more effective. So I yeah. love that. And anyone who you, you live just an effective life and you're oh always, I think part of that is because you're always looking to live an effective life. It's, it's a process, not a moment. So mm -hmm. I want to kind of dig into some parts of your life. Cause I think it's fascinating to our listeners and just the principles you're going to teach us through this. Oh. But I first want to start with Japan and living in Japan and then yeah. we'll go to bridal of hope. <laughs> so, okay. Why were you even in Japan? So we were in Japan because my husband um, is a patent attorney and he started working for Motorola and they needed someone in Japan and he had served a two-year mission uh, in Japan, so obviously had the language there. So we went over uh, willingly. We we love adventure. So we went over and just said, yeah, bring it on. And we ended up loving it there. It was just a great place to raise our children. Um, they had great education. We had opportunity to learn the language. There was so much about living in Japan that we loved and really hated leaving. Uh, we left when our youngest son was about 13. He was struggling a little bit. Um, we adopted him when he um, was 15 months old. And so living in Japan as a Japanese adopted child with American parents was a little bit difficult. Um, so we moved back to the States and found some great opportunities for growth here. Uh, I hated leaving it and I can't wait to go back every time we do. And so, but it's, it's been a wonderful um, history that we've had in our life to have that experience. It's opened our mind. I think our children are much more open-minded as well. They see the bigger picture. They see the world instead of um, just a state or a country like they just they just see the bigger picture which i really um love for them that they've had that education you know seeing the bigger picture and recognizing that we're not just on our own little island i yeah. think builds us as a community throughout the world and that's a perspective that we all need to adopt and so you can adopt that in different ways through either education or through traveling for or sure. through living there and i think really living there you get this depth and breadth of of the community and of the culture and I want to dig into learning Japanese because you speak Japanese I do and I so I've been a Portuguese teacher for a long time and we all know that Japanese is one of the hardest languages because <laughs> isn't it you total? say that but yet Portuguese looks like French to me. I mean it's you know it's all it's a it's beautiful language I love right? it but it Japanese makes me panic. So, yeah. what was that experience? Right, an immersive experience really changes everything. You oh, lived, yeah. you lived in your language. I lived in my language. Right. So, being immersed in it, you either learn it. I wanted to learn it. Many of the expat wives uh, that mm -hmm. did go over to Japan, um, expatriates is what we call ourselves, being out of our own country but living in another country. Um, so, many of the expat wives did not want to learn the language, but I wanted to learn 
everything I could. And so I studied it the whole time I was there. And I, I don't call myself proficient in any manner, but I can carry on a conversation and find my way to the bathroom and to the subway station and to <laughs> wherever I need to go. <laughs> you know, those are the most important things. And I want to pull out a principle. As you said, you wanted to learn it. Yeah. And I think having been a teacher as well, is there is something magical that happens when a student wants to learn. And yeah. it's they really find a proficiency. And this just isn't in Portuguese. It can be in math. It can be right. in whatever principle. But proficiency isn't necessarily by prescribed talent, yeah. but it's by practice and desire. And totally I really agree. found that in any subject, if you're not naturally apt to it, it doesn't matter as much as wanting to do it and practicing desire, effort, it's everything, truly. And it's not, you know, you watch somebody play the piano or the harp as you do so beautifully. And you're like, oh, what I would give for that. Well, you've given hours and hours and hours of your time to it. So anybody can right. do anything. I feel like like the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want to do. Uh, I've always said to my husband, I could have been a brain surgeon if I wanted. He goes, oh, I know. I know you could. <laughs> I, I just like, I feel like that. I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. It's just, there is nothing that really frightens me. I've always just been kind of adventurous and wanting to try anything. I hope our podcast listeners are getting your energy and they're feeling that today too. Of If you're not feeling it yourself, that I can energy, draw from Cindy right now. He, yeah, she's I'll telling it. you, I'll you send can it do out anything. on the vibes. <laughs> yeah, all the vibes, guys. That's you can do out. anything. Yeah. And I just love this idea of that. You don't naturally have to be yeah. apt to it, but you, it's practice. Like you said, it's the hours. Yeah. It's for her, yeah. for me, it was the hours and the blood blisters and for sure. going through all that, you know? All of it. And it's Did, all worth it. It is all worth it. I want to know, do you have a story when you uh, you had a mishap with the language? Oh, always, always. <laughs> There's, I mean, there were things that I would say and people would just stare at me. Then I, that was my first clue that I knew something was wrong. I can't <laughs> even remember something off at right now. But my favorite thing is I would, I got fairly proficient so I could go up and actually talk to people and I would go up and start talk to, talking to them and they would say, oh, oh, no, no English. And I would say in Japanese, well, no, but but I'm speaking Japanese to you. They, uh, no, no, no English. But because of my face and, you know, what they expected to come out, it was really their language, but they couldn't quite grasp the change of, like, my face and their, their language. And so, yeah, that's my favorite thing is people would just, and I kept saying, no, I really am speaking Japanese, right? And they would go, uh, finally, but they were still like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I Love this principle. Want to dig into it because I actually had the exact same experience in Portugal. For so for our listeners, I lived in Portugal for a time and and learned Portuguese. And the same thing would happen. I was actually at a very proficient and fluent level, but I would start to talk to them and make a conversation. And just because I looked different, they would same thing. They'd be like, "Oh, I don't speak English," and then walk away. And you're like, "Wait, I was talking to you." And I think that sometimes our our bias. Yeah. Um, we we kind of label someone as oh, they can or can't do something. Yeah. And they've projected a bias on that person to the point we're not letting them grow. So how do you think we as people can can kind of take away that bias and allow people to grow and learn and progress through things? For example, learning another language yeah. when we don't necessarily expect it. I think it goes to paradigm, Katie Ann. I think there's a lot with uh, the culture that we're raised in and the experiences that we have that create 
a dynamic of a vision. It's like putting on a pair of glasses. It's a pattern that you've seen for so long that that's normal for you. And when something comes to disrupt that because it's a little bit out of your norm, you have to remove those glasses and say, okay, is my paradigm such in a box that I don't allow myself to see other opportunities or other possibilities? I need to open my vision. So maybe it just requires getting a new lens and changing that paradigm to say, hey, I, I can see something differently. I can turn it around and look at it from the back and the side and the top. And I can really start to realize that there's more to this than what I have always understood or imagined just because of where I was raised or the pattern that was set for me in my home or in my community. Every culture for each state and each, like I grew up in Oregon, it's totally different than Utah and totally different than other places that other people grow up. So what I bring from that experience, I add to the next experience. It opens my paradigm instead of being this closed um, vision person. You just open that up instead and it changes your bias. It changes. We celebrate differences instead of start to pick them apart and decide, why are you, why do you do it that way? I don't get why you do it that way. One, one classic example is in Japan, everyone takes their shoes off, right? Uh, when they come into a home, they would never walk through your home with the dirty shoes that they just walked on the street with. But some, for some people, that's very strange. And when we moved back here, my husband was like, no one's going to wear shoes in our house. And I'm like, well, well, you can't really force people to take their shoes off if they feel uncomfortable. They might have holes in their socks. They might have stinky feet. I don't know, right? But so I said, we, we can't enforce that. We can encourage it or influence it um, by the way that we have our shoes off. And hey, kick your shoes off if you'd like. There's slippers there or whatever. But just being more open-minded um, and celebrating those differences is one really key thing that I think we just need to take advantage of more often. I just want to pause and give a moment to our sponsors. Now, you guys, <laughs> I'm afraid of three things, and that's snakes, haunted houses, and going over my budget. And Utah Money Mons has helped me calm my fear of going over my budget through their free webinars and downloadable materials. Last December, they actually had a webinar for panic procrastinators, and it helped me stay in the budget and keep calm while I was getting all the gifts that I needed during the holiday season. They actually helped 86% of their followers create a financial goal. So head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to get your free financial confidence boost. I want to go back and re-listen to what you just said like five times, oh, especially so in accordance with what's happening right now yeah. in the world. We're, we're facing issues of racism yeah. for multiple groups and it's an apparent issue. But I think really as we're tackling those those issues on a national and international level, I think it starts with us and our paradigm shift. And what you just shared with us about opening our vision is at least the first step. Like we, we still need to make leaps and bounds in our country, right. but if we each open up our view and just recognize that we're coming from a place that has a certain lens. And even just recognizing that is really powerful. And then understanding that we need to give other people a chance to grow and, and let them just like the circumstance of you speaking good right. Japanese, but <laughs> our bias was yeah. just blocking that. So I, I loved your story right then. I think that's really applicable to, to us right now especially just in consideration with with the world and changing and everything. Yeah, I agree. I think many times we just don't take 
enough time to shift our paradigm. Uh, we go to behavior. We're like, stop that. Why, why do you do that? What's, why? Why? Instead of taking that lens and saying, wait a minute, let me look at it for the whole picture and not try to uh, tear it apart or tear it down, but just see it from your vision or your cultural experience. And then you put on these new pair of glasses and you just go, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Um, I think it's something that we really need to take the opportunity to do more often. I love your analogy too with the glasses, just because I, I got glasses about yeah. two years ago. I had 20-20 vision until suddenly I didn't. And, and I remember study, the first study, time. study, and then you're all vision. <laughs> right. I remember the first time putting on glasses. It was beautiful. I didn't realize yeah. the details and the things I had been missing out on until I put those glasses on. Yeah. And I think that's the same with our paradigm shifts when we when we have them. Of, you know, it can be scary. It can be intimidating. Sometimes it's hard to even admit that we're coming with a bias. But as soon as you do have this paradigm shift, it is beautiful. It's glorious. Yeah, it truly is. Yeah, I love that. Okay, now I want to kind of transition. So you came, you were in Japan, and then yeah, you're here, and, and some years have passed. But yeah. I want to dig into your experience with horses, yeah. and training the girls and teaching the seven habits. And one principle you have taught is hope. And, and for our listeners, I know this because I actually took horse lessons with Sydney. I, <laughs> I learned how, uh, how to ride a horse. And it was because I was terrified of horses for a very long time. I had this experience where I watched my dad get bucked off a horse and I never wanted to get by a horse ever again. And um, I realized I needed to get over that. And so who better to go and learn from than Cindy? And so I went and took lessons with her and and I wanna just extract a couple of things that, that she taught me in those lessons. So she teaches the seven habits in conjunction with learning to ride a horse. And, and one thing she talked about that I want to dig into to start is hope. You defined hope in this beautiful way. And I, I just want you to help us understand what is hope? For me, uh, again, going back to kind of where I entered Bridle Up Hope, um, I we got back from a two-year experience in China. My husband and I went there and we taught in universities. Um, that opened our vision as well. We loved teaching with the Chinese students. They were university students and just so willing and eager to learn. But when we returned from there, I really needed something to do, find purpose again in my life. And so I talked to Rebecca Covey, uh, mom of Rachel, and I just said, hey, I wanna be a part of this. Um, I have horse skills. And um, it was 2015 when we returned. Uh, we left shortly after Rachel had passed away and we were in China for two years. So by the time I got back, that it had started and we had started with just some girls in our neighborhood, um, young girls that maybe were struggling a little bit and letting them ride horses. Gradually things, developed into where we applied the habits with the equestrian skills as well. Um, when they came up with the name Bridal Up Hope, that's exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to give hope to anyone that was feeling disheartened or discouraged or anxious or depressed or um, just not really sure of who their community 
people were and their tribe. We've lost the whole feeling of a tribal connection. Um, so Bridal Up Hope allows us to give that back. We give them the principled habits, which brings hope because it gives you vision. It gives you direction. It gives you guidance. It gives you power and strength when you know deeply what your center is. And we talk about that in habit two with begin with the end in mind. When you know that, you can operate from a place of strength. You can be able to approach each day with excitement and energy filled with discovery and exploration to really just embrace each day in its fullest. So to me, that's hope. It's something that you don't recognize is there, but you take that vision with your endure to the end and um, begin with the end in mind. And you say, okay, today might not be my best day, but what could it look like a month from now? What could it look like a year from now? And you begin with that end in mind, finding purpose and finding really discovery. Uh, we talk about Viktor Frankl. Um, he's an amazing example of enduring through a very difficult time. And one thing he said is that you need to discover who you are. You don't need to create who you are. You're, you're already you're already there. But you got to dig deep and find truly your gifts and talents and attributes that are within you, not what somebody wants you to be or not what someone has told you you are, but really go deep and find that connection to self that you really discover who you are. That is what brings hope. When you start to recognize that person and that beautiful woman inside you that um, you just didn't connect with completely, that's what brings hope. You start that discovery and sense of self. Um, so that's what we do. We teach that um, through all of the habits. We start with habit one and being proactive, finding that self-awareness of what I want to do in my life and what it is that I know about myself deeply because of the experiences I've had, because I grew up in this culture or I have this DNA running through my blood or I live in this environment. There's things that create our social maps. And so that's the beauty that we build this private victory arena with habits one, two, and three, knowing who I am, where I'm headed, and how do I get there? Habit three, putting first things first. You get this solid foundation foundational root system in place that you can begin to grow your tree, begin this beautiful growth pattern of doing things for yourself and recognizing you can trust yourself by keeping commitments to yourself. All of these things that start to build this foundation of strength from which to draw. And then we move you from being little dependent to being more independent. And what we're really striving for is interdependence. We want to be the best we are at working with others and helping others and influencing others. And so that comes from being able to think win-win in this public victory arena now that we deal in and learning how to communicate in a totally different way and seeking first to understand and then to be understood and then moving the fruits of habit four and five become synergy. And that's where you start to really celebrate the differences and say, oh my goodness, working with others is a greater level of accomplishment than something that I could have ever done on my own, right? We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to do it alone. That's hard. So when we strive for that interdependent level of functioning, we find that connection that we need and that hope and that strength and it's it's just a beautiful process i i am you could tell i'm passionate about it because i love teaching it i i teach it every day i volunteer my time there i don't want a dime for this i want every 
bit of my income that would have been given to me to go back into scholarships for girls and women because I'm passionate about it and I love it with every breath I take because I see the difference that it makes. She is passionate about it, you guys. And <laughs> when I had the lesson on Synergy, so they teach your lesson on Synergy and then you you ride the horse for a little bit. Uh, we did something called Hoga, which <laughs> is yoga on a horse. And I, to admit it, I was terrified at first. You I'm like, rocked at it. <laughs> you did so good. I have pictures to prove it. <laughs> oh, you guys, I was literally doing downward dog on the back of a horse. She did and just so like, good. But once you found, you kind of got past that fear, then you realize, wait, the horse and I can create something bigger. Like one plus one does not equal two. One plus one could equal three, four, five, six. And I believe that with teamwork, not something you always taught me is, and that is the essence of hope too, is coming together and recognizing that together we are better and together we create this beautiful system. And when you were teaching me that, you also told me that hope is not just it's not, we throw the word hope around so casually now, right. like, oh, I hope it rains. You said yeah. that's not the real essence of hope. That hope is action. If I hope to get better at horseback riding, if I hope to get over my fear of horseback riding, then I do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's transformation. It's no longer just compromising life and saying, okay, well, I could do that. That that works, I guess. But it's not compromise. It is transformation. It's truly seeking for something greater than, um, because the it it's, it's bigger than what the sum of its parts are truly. So. I love that. Um, I just want you to share with us, when is the first time you started your love of horses? When did that <laughs> so even happen? I have a picture of myself on a horse. I was probably about three or four. My grandfather, um, my family hails from Canada. Um, and so I was the only uh, American born of my siblings. Uh, my mother was pregnant when they moved to the United States. But so we would go back to Canada every year to see that's where my grandparents were. And my grandfather, Christensen, I admire this man so greatly. He's like my role model and everything. He was kind and generous and just gentle and meek. I mean, I, I can't even go on enough about his attributes, but he taught me to ride and he put me up on a horse when I was three years old and that was it. That's all it took. Like I, I was hooked from then on and um, it has been a love affair with horses ever since then. Um, of course, living in Japan, we had nowhere to keep horses because we lived in, you know, probably a 2000 square foot uh, apartment um, or duplex. And so we have taken opportunities to ride horses here and there, but uh, getting back into the horse and equestrian lifestyle for me has just been glorious as well. It has given me that feeling back of connection that these beautiful animals have gifts and characteristic traits that we do not have. They instantly know your heart rate. Um, they connect into your emotion very quickly. They can tell if you're sad, happy, angry, frustrated, anxious, right? They look <laughs> they to you. They can tell when you're scared of them. That was me. I'm <laughs> like, this horse knows. I am terrified of it. You pulled it off pretty. I don't think they noticed it. You you covered it up pretty well because I know you just gave me notice. confidence. You gave me a lot more confidence. Oh, you taught me like education that. is confidence 
I believe that. And when you yeah. started teaching Brilliant. me how to ride, my uh-huh. fear went away. So it, it, at first they did sense it, but with really over time. Great, that is a great analogy and put it together that way. Like truly confidence is built by doing and taking action. And the more you do it, the stronger you get and the more confident you become. And yeah, that's, that's beautiful. So that's kind of where it all began, my grandfather. And then it just continued on and I've loved picking it back up. I've learned so much. We have incredible trainers that work at our facility and keep our horses all tuned up. We put a hundred different drivers on them a week and uh, they, you know, it's like you got to make sure that that vehicle is working still. So the trainers (laughs) get back on them and they're like, yeah, so let's go this way and let's do this. And then they're all tuned up again, ready to go for the next lesson. And they get about two or three trains a week. And that's wonderful for them to, to have somebody that really knows what they're doing to take over for a minute and then put them back in our hands. And, and then we teach and instruct. And then, yeah, it's really a great, great, beautiful circle that we all work together. That's amazing. I think one thing of your story that I love too is you're you're using something that you have loved, a talent that you've loved since a kid, and that's horseback riding, something that you've always connected with, something that's your strength, your talent, your joy in life to help other people. And I that makes me just want to look back on my life and be like, okay, what talents do I have and how can I use them to help other people? Because you are just a beautiful example of that. And as we're kind you're of so wrapping kind. up, oh, it's just the truth. I love that. <laughs> but you're I, much want, too kind. <laughs> no, that's, you just are incredible. And as we're wrapping up our conversation, I just want to ask what we always ask our podcast um, interviews here. And that is, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self to boost your confidence? You know, I started out life kind of in a difficult situation. My family, my home life wasn't great. Um, I moved out of my home when I was 16 years old and lived on my own and kind of really had to discover life at a young age um, on my own. I made a lot of mistakes and um, I didn't really know where I was headed. I didn't have an end in mind. That kind of came with um, meeting uh, my wonderful husband and getting married at 19 years old. It was quite quite young, actually. Um, And I still struggled a lot. I didn't have a real vision of who I was. Um, That started to come as I just put one foot after the other and went forward and moved forward and started to discover that deep awareness of self and what some of my gifts and talents were that I really never even knew um, were there. And so that discovery came line upon line and year upon year and experience upon experience. And what I know now that I would tell myself then is, girl, you know what? Life is is off course 90% of the time. It's like a flight, right? I mean, the... the uh, the aviators have to direct that flight constantly and make tiny course corrections always. And if you can realize that, that life is about making course corrections and making small course course corrections as you go, it's going to be way more glorious than you could ever imagine. I'd tell myself that, like, don't sweat the small stuff. Recognize that, yeah, you're going to be off about 90% of the time, but really just embrace each moment and live it to its fullest and breathe and don't don't get so concerned about those small things that just really in the end don't matter right what matters is people matters the connection that you have it matters what you can do to influence your family members and your friends to just be happy and live a better life and and just enjoy life and and take it as it comes and making those small tiny course corrections daily is just 
living a principle-centered life. That's what it's all about. That abundant mentality of there's so much to be had in this world and there's enough to go around that the scarcity mentality doesn't need to take over and say, well, I can only do this or there's only enough time to do this. or No, no, there's so much more. There's that abundance of life that is just there to meet you and greet you every single day if you'll just open your eyes and look at it with the beautiful vision that you have. So that's, that's what I'd tell my younger self. I love that. And just that you said that life is off course 90% of the time. That gives me just a lot of hope Just saying life isn't about nailing it. It's about course correcting. And that's really what it is. And we are so grateful that you came on today. Oh, you just have just a beautiful vision of life. And I have felt your energy. I felt the synergy (laughs) and I felt your good vibes. And I really hope that our podcast listeners are just walking away today feeling like I've got this. Because Cindy believes in me. She does, guys. I believe in you. I believe in you. Yeah, I do. I truly do. I believe in everybody. I have a very positive attitude. No, thank you for joining us on the show. Katie Ann. I think a lot of times the feeling of fear comes from a lack of control in our lives. And our sponsor, PowerPay, is offering a money master course that's normally $40 for free to all Full Confidence Ahead podcast listeners so you can take control of your finances this year. The course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. So to claim your course, go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Pal, which is K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-P-O-W-E-L-L, and it'll automatically add the money master course to your cart and you just click check out and you'll get it for free. You can also access your course by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master course under the finance category, then using the code KATIEANN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, to claim your $40 discount and free course at checkout. So let's master our money together. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.